informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We really appreciate it as we kick off a new week. Wow, what a strange weekend. I know about you, but my schedule is really all off now because, you know, just so many things that you would normally do at certain times on certain days you can no longer do. The new reality for all of us is setting in. I mentioned this on Twitter yesterday, how much I missed being at my country church yesterday morning, being with my church family. Now, I watched a very good church service on TV. I watched another one on my phone, and those are very good, very helpful, but I sure missed being with, physically with, uh, my church family, and I'm sure many of you felt that way as well. Um, I think it's very important to be sure we remember people uh, that we need to be in contact with. You can't go see them right now, perhaps, but reach out to them. Call them, text them, email them. Just let them know that you're thinking about them, making sure that they are okay. I know I uh, was in contact with several people over the weekend. I hadn't heard from them in a while. I was just wondering how they were doing. Just go ahead and reach out to those people. Uh, Let them know that you are thinking about them. I think that's very helpful during this time that uh, all of our lives are turned around upside down and kind of scrambled to uh, hang on to what really matters and and be sure to reach out to those people. Well, coming up on our program today, we're going to talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson, look at wet weather concerns, flooding concerns heading into spring. We're going to talk with the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Ross, about uh, corn growers' uh, response to what's going on with COVID-19. And Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, will join us, have some uh, news, uh, kind of some news on what the administration may be planning when it comes to that circuit court ruling whether or not they're going to appeal it or not and just look at the uh, challenging times uh, that the ethanol industry is facing right now so all that coming up on today's program but we're very happy to have with us sarah wyant editor and president of agripulse communications sarah thanks for joining us hope you are well well good morning mike yes well we're very well we've been uh, still out in California for another week, and uh, as much as we would love to have been in Washington, D.C. for our big summit, it's now been postponed until June 22nd, so uh, disruption in our business as well, but I can't tell you how much we've seen readership go up on everything we're doing as people, as you say, are they're stuck at home and they're looking for good, accurate information on what's happening here in the marketplace as well as in Washington, D.C., well, we're watching what is happening or not happening right now in the Senate on another uh, stimulus package to dealing with uh, COVID-19. And we're watching that from an agricultural standpoint as well, because there would be some things in there for agriculture if they get it passed. Well, if is a big question right now. I'm confident they will, but it was disappointing to watch as our team was trying to be in touch with the staff that were moving a bill they thought uh, for a vote this morning, because you know it tied uh, 47-47 on a procedural vote. Part of that is because you've got a handful of GOP senators who are uh, quarantined themselves. Uh, Rand Paul from Kentucky was the latest member to test positive for the coronavirus, and so others that were close to him are also uh, staying at home uh, in hopes that they don't catch the uh, disease. So, um, you know, it was stuck on a procedural vote. 
Uh, it looks like uh, Secretary Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, was in conversations uh, through the night with the Democratic leadership, and there was hope that there might be another vote today by noon, uh, but uh, it's still very uncertain on this timetable. So what we can expect is that there should be a uh, another appropriation in that package of at least $30 billion and a, perhaps as much as $50 billion for the Commodity Credit Corporation, which, of course, would refill that fund and make it possible if the administration wants to do another market facilitation program round of payments. That's certainly what we expect. The number is, of course, still uh, uncertain at this point because some of the Democrats were pushing back on whether it was 30, 40, or 50. Yeah, so we'll keep a close watch on that. Hopefully news coming on that later in the day. Meanwhile, um, USDA has had to make some adjustments, too, with closing some offices. I know uh, you and your staff have been talking with Undersecretary Bill Northey. I've been texting with him this morning. Some offices uh, had to be closed. He tells me that uh, offices are open by phone appointments, and uh, they're working on uh, getting as much done they can while still social distancing. So it's it's been a challenge uh, to keep uh, the USDA offices functioning as well. Absolutely. And, you know, they still want to serve their customers, of course, but uh, they've closed their doors for appointments only. I checked with my home county in eastern Iowa. That was the case there. And as we broke the news, the Beacon facility, which is a big complex in Kansas City, uh, also has been closed down because there was a conference there and one of the FSA, Farm Service Agency, employees that was attending the conference has tested positive. So um, we're doing a complete cleaning of that facility, and that has various USD agencies, uh, FSA, RMA, um, and some credentialing offices there as well. And so that one has been disrupted as a result of the coronavirus, in addition to these county offices that are taking these protective measures. Hey, some other news and a lot of things. It's amazing what else is going on we have really haven't focused on because of coronavirus. Uh, USMCA got passed in Canada. That kind of got overlooked by all the other news. And uh, some much-awaited uh, uh, news, legal news on the Syngenta settlements. There's been some action there as well. Right. Um, you know, we can't, <clears throat> there's been no shortage of information on a regular basis here in addition to all the coronavirus. So those payments are moving forward. Um, you know, some big purchases from the Chinese and wheat and corn, and so they're doing more to fulfill their pledges there. Uh, we also are seeing, you know, uh, some work that's going on on the state level as uh, groups are looking at different pesticide approvals or legal cases. And I also know that you're going to talk later to the ethanol folks. Uh, they're watching carefully to see whether the administration is going to challenge this Tenth Circuit decision uh, as at one point they weren't then they were and now it sounds like they are not again so it'll be interesting to watch that as well mike yeah lots going on all right sarah thank you very much be safe and we'll talk to you again soon thank you mike you too sarah wyatt editor president of agripulse communications love to hear from you uh you can email me mike adams at americanagnetwork.com want to hear from you what has impacted you the most about this uh, COVID-19 situation as far as the changes in our lives and our schedules and what we do, our activities? What has changed the most for you or what have you felt the most as far as the change? 
and also any stories that you can share with us about things that you see going on in your communities and your areas of people helping other people through these uh, difficult times, whether it's giving or working at food banks or, or helping with, uh, you know, different kind of feeding programs or whatever it may be. Want to hear your stories from out uh, across the country? Email me, Mike Adams at AmericanAgNetwork.com. All right, up next, we'll talk weather with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson right here on AOA. Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices, but they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia Herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications. And it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We're going to talk weather now with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Uh, Bryce, uh, still some winter weather over the country and parts of the country over the weekend. I know here in Illinois we had some snow, and I know there's been some really tough winter conditions uh, in the last several days up in North Dakota and some other states. So, uh we're, we're we're wanting to think spring, but the weather isn't always letting us. Well, it's very typical of that transition, Mike, with uh, the spring season getting underway, you know, last Friday. And uh, now as we think about this week, it is going to be a little bit more seasonal as we go through the week. So I think that um, we're, we're pretty much by uh, or I, I – don't want to say completely done, but I think that a lot of the uh, real harsh uh, conditions have pretty well run their course, at least the way the forecast is looking, because uh, we're going to stay on the chilly side uh, during the next uh, three to four days. And then uh, following that, uh, the pattern uh, turns uh, quite a bit more spring-like to finish out March and get into April, because upper atmosphere high-pressure ridging is going to set in over uh, most of the interior U.S. during the next uh, six to ten days, and that's going to be a uh, real notable feature in terms of uh, keeping more of a uh, seasonal to even above normal temperature pattern uh, starting to show up in the forecast. And then uh, precipitation is also going to uh, have a little bit more of a let up. And um, you know, obviously, we're not having uh, nearly the same type of pattern we did last year. And uh, this should allow for some of these real wet areas to maybe have some of that moisture, uh, have some of that excess uh, water drain away. And it also should keep uh, flooding from being a real big feature. We're going to see some um, lowland flooding. There's no doubt about that to uh, some extent. But as far as just the outrageous uh, spilling over, of uh, streams and rivers, I think that we're going to be uh, able to avoid that over much of the northern and central areas anyway during the next uh, couple of weeks. 
Wow, that's some good news to start off the week, and we're all anxious to get some good news because there hasn't been much of it lately with the virus situation and with some weather concerns. Uh, because I know that there's a lot of focus on on uh, potential flooding this spring and the areas that are under threat for that. So you think maybe we'll catch a break as far as any additional moisture in the real near future anyway? At least over the next couple of weeks, that that is uh, quite likely uh, with a, a little bit of a warmer and drier pattern. And, um, you know, we're going to take anything we can get. I, I've been asked if, uh, if uh, this type of trend is going to stay with us uh, all the way through the entire spring season. And I still want to be kind of cautious about that because a, a warmer temperature trend at some point in the spring would also be accompanied by uh, some some uh, development of uh, shower and thunderstorm action, and you know then uh, the rainfall that that would uh, you know possibly be heavy. I mean, we can see that during the spring. We know that, but at least over the next couple of weeks, it is looking um, you know much milder, and also on a drier trend, and that includes uh, the northern part of the country. I mean. Uh, you know, when uh, we can look at a forecast, as, as DTN is showing today, uh, for uh, Fargo, North Dakota, to have maybe about one-hundredth of an inch of rain this coming week on Tuesday, and then uh, just a few isolated light snow flurries on Friday and a dry uh, pattern uh, for the remainder of the two-week period going clear out to uh, Monday, April the 6th. You know, that's, uh, that's a whole lot different than uh, we were looking at last year, and it uh, would allow for some of that excess soil moisture to drain away, snow cover to uh, melt in kind of an orderly fashion and not add to uh, what we've got going on already. Hey, I was going to ask about that because in those northern states, there is snow still to melt, and that's going to add to the moisture levels, but you think it might come in a way that maybe it won't produce uh, as big a problems as we might have feared not too long ago. That's the way things are looking. And, and uh, you know, there's uh, in, in terms of total snow cover, uh, there's a, a lot less, by and large, this year than there was last year. And um, because of that, there's going to be uh, less uh, snow water equivalent in general to, uh, to move into the river systems and uh, to add to the flood threat. But over the northern uh, tier of states, there, there certainly is, is uh, still snow that needs to, uh, to melt and move uh, out. Uh, the the uh, promise of a drier trend means that there would not be rainfall uh, to either add to the moisture supply or to cause a, a quick melting of the snow cover uh, when the rain does occur. And, you know, so that's kind of a combination that, that helps a lot. I mean, I think back to last year when uh, the terrific uh, bomb cyclone system uh, roared across uh, Nebraska and, and caused uh, the flood outbreak that we saw, one of, the, um, one of the effects of the rain that occurred with that system was that not only did the rain, you know, fall and, uh, and become very heavy in and of itself, but it also helped to cause a rapid melting of the snow cover that was around. And that uh, led to, 
you know, flash flooding and, and all of the uh, terrific uh, damage that occurred. So, you know, rain can have uh, a double effect, if you will, and uh, the fact that we're not going to get that, I think, just adds to a, a little bit more of a uh, favorable scenario with the way things are looking. So that'll get us through March. What does your long-range modeling show as we go into April? Well, our thought for April is that temperatures are going to be uh, on a near to below normal track over much of the northern states. Uh, I'd break it at uh, U.S. Highway 20, Interstate 90, uh, in that uh, in that portion of the north central part of the country, and then elsewhere temperatures uh, near normal uh, for the spring season. I don't think we're going to see a real uh, rapid warm up uh, over the Midwest and into the northern plains. In the southern plains to the southeast, uh, temperatures are likely to be on a uh, on an above normal track. Uh, there still is going to be the potential for that mid-south delta, Tennessee Valley, Ohio Valley, to uh, be in line for the, um, you know, for kind of the, the uh, major portion of storms that develop. And that part of the country is still going to get some pretty heavy rain this week. So that uh, southeastern Corn Belt is still, I think, going to uh, have have some uh, wet weather concerns uh, when we think about the um, you know the uh, heart of the spring season, so to speak. And what about uh, those dry areas? May not be a lot of them, but I know there are some dry areas. Yeah, uh, particularly the southwestern plains, and I'm uh, kind of pessimistic on how they're going to do, Mike. Uh, This uh, storm package has been pretty energetic, uh, meaning that when when weather systems, uh, upper air disturbances move out of the uh, Rockies and then slide across the plains, they don't linger very much in in, uh, a long enough time period to allow a lot of moisture to work north and northwest into, uh, say, the Texas Panhandle. Uh, southwestern Kansas, eastern Colorado. And so I think that those areas that are drier right now are still going to kind of struggle to get uh, moisture to uh, to really benefit things going through this spring season. And so I'm, I'm uh, kind of uh, concerned about the moisture situation in that part of the country. All right, Bryce, thanks for the update. How's the social distancing going? Well, I mean, you know, the the world is a better place if I'm not in it to any great extent uh, sometimes. So, you know, nobody has the benefit of of my conversation. So, uh, you know, I I think that uh, we're all a little bit better off for that, maybe. Oh, I don't think so. But I, I, it is different. Everybody kind of getting used to these new normals, uh, at least for the time being. So be safe, and uh, we'll look forward to talking with you again next week. Okay, Mike. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Take care, Bryce. DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Again, asking you to email me. I want to hear what in all these changes and that are going on in our lives and things we no longer can do for the time being that we were used to doing, what has impacted you the most or what have you noticed the most? And also tell me about something going on that either you're involved in or you know others are involved in your area that are, are doing something to help during this uh, uh, this pandemic and this uh, situation we're all going through. So I want uh, your emails. Email me at mikeadams at americanagnetwork.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Up next... 
How are the corn growers responding to COVID-19? Kevin Ross, president of the National Corn Growers Association, joins us next on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Ross. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Hope you're safe. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. Appreciate it. Well, I know the National Corn Growers Association taking some action, and um, uh, you've got some things that you're working on in response to COVID-19. Tell us about them. Yeah, so uh, we've started a COVID-19 uh, task force, um, and and uh, what I did was uh, appointed uh, folks from all across uh, different regions, uh, different folks that are either on the corn board or uh, some state presidents, as well as some state executives that, uh, uh, you know, from, from, again, different areas across the U.S. that are seeing different impacts. Um, and wanted to make sure that, you know, we're, we're understanding and hearing from the growers and, and uh, you know, can take into account all the different uh, different pieces of this thing that are affecting us throughout the supply chain, if there are any issues there, or, uh, you know, certainly from a personal aspect, the issues that they're hearing about from their growers or, you know, whether it be credit or, or other things. But, you know, this, this way we can collect information and, you know, hopefully streamline the decision-making process uh, uh, to get good recommendations on behalf of our industry. Certainly a lot of levels to this uh, crisis. Um, here we are, though, getting very close to things getting really busy on the farm as far as planting season 2020 is concerned. And you mentioned the supply chain. We've talked a lot about getting uh, supplies to consumers. There will also be the challenge of getting supplies to farmers as they go to the fields here soon. Yeah, for sure. And we've, um, you know, we've luckily had ag uh, deemed as essential, but uh um, you know, there's a lot of pieces to uh, that that supply chain for us um, moving into into planting season, whether that's you know parts uh, and dealerships, or whether it's you know seed being able to move uh, or fertilizer being able to move. You know, we've also heard from growers in certain states uh, with issues around you know surrounding their workers and workforce, and some folks that uh, uh, that deal a lot in the H2A program, um, and so there are definitely concerns that. Uh, uh, you know things that were unforeseen. Uh, obviously, this whole thing is is really uh, uh, as big of a black swan event as I think you can imagine uh, at the moment. So um, we're continuing to sort through these issues and listening to you know to our various states and stakeholders and and uh, hopefully you know able to understand you know understand the problems and address them accordingly. When we talk about that supply chain, we have been reminded how important the ag labor issue is uh, to keeping that supply chain open and having workers available so uh, this was already a critical issue but this has really brought it to the forefront yeah it definitely has i think um you know it, it was something that uh you know, again you get to some of the bordering states and depending on obviously you know we know uh, a lot of the uh, processing plants things like that rely on uh you know rely on uh some of that uh uh, H2A labor and things like that, but there's certainly a lot of growers that uh, that bring in temporary labor from different different countries as well, and whether that be for uh, you know for vegetables or even even for corn and soybeans, there are people that uh, have operations where they bring folks in, and and like I said again, the processing side of things is really a big concern. So uh, for us to understand the labor issues that are out there, 
you know, as well as like I said, the the, the credit issues or the um, you know other things throughout our process that uh, that just make sure um, we run smoothly during spring uh, are things that we need to understand there. And then and then certainly uh, we've got a lot of guys that have to move grain yet, uh, and a lot of ports that need to stay open, a lot of you know a lot of uh, other places that uh, grain has to move to, whether it's feed mills or things like that. So um, trying to understand the issues that are affecting our partners in the in the downstream supply chain as well. A lot of moving parts, that's for sure. We're talking with Kevin Ross, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Kevin, in the next segment, I'm going to be talking with Jeff Cooper from the Renewable Fuels Association. Uh, These are especially tough times for the ethanol industry. We're hoping for some good news as far as the administration's decision of to hopefully not appeal the uh, Tenth Circuit Court ruling on small refinery exemptions. But uh, this is really hitting the the ethanol industry hard. I mean, it's a combination of things. Uh, when you add in the, the low uh, fuel prices and pe- less miles being driven right now through all this, it's really hitting the ethanol industry. It is. Um, and that's just a you know such a major concern for us in, in rural America. Um, a lot of jobs are involved there, and, and uh, it's certainly um, when you talk about the issues uh, around that industry right now. You know, you've dealt with an industry that's been struggling for the last couple of years, and and uh, we've been working hard hand in hand with those folks, and uh, um, and and myself and, and Jeff, uh, as well as others, trying to trying to make sure that we uh, you know keep that industry uh, alive, and certainly uh, grinding corn um, for us. But uh, I can tell you right now. Uh, a lot of folks that are a lot of plants that are slowing down and shutting down and um, and that doesn't do good for our uh, you know for our grind and our demand of corn and and so miles being driven um, that being down is a big problem and certainly the oil prices uh, uh, all these things putting more pressure on our you know on our octane market or essentially our ethanol market um, we're doing our best to listen to those needs and, and try to address them as we can too and work with Cooper and other folks to make sure that uh, we're uh, you know staying abreast of these issues and i know uh, in dc they're working hard to to try to address a few of them hopefully we're going to get some good news out of out of that place uh, soon you know every business that shuts down and a lot of them are right now that has a ripple effect as em- employees aren't working and then then that just ripples through the economy same with what happens when you shut down or idle uh, an ethanol plant that's exactly right. Um, you know, workers go home or uh, hours are cut, and uh, and, and really the, it, the ripple effect uh, for a lot of folks as well, and, and now goes into the feed supply chain, and, and uh, you end up with a lot of different rations that have to be looked at. Um, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of folks in demand for dry distillers grains across the U.S. right now, and if these plants are shutting down, uh, you know, those are, that's a, that's a feed supply that is not in the, you know, not in the, uh, available ration for the near future. So, um, we've got a lot of things that, uh, that that touches as well as CO2, uh, markets for, you know, for the, uh, stunning and, and killing of the, of the hogs in the slaughter market. And, um, these are things that, uh, that the supply chain or, you know, you just don't think about them affecting normally. And it's a very, very broad effect when these plants shut down. And it reminds us throughout that supply chain, a lot of different sectors are intertwined. And if you impact one, it does have an impact on down the line. It, it, it certainly does. And I think we're seeing that all across America in all different uh, different sectors, Mike. It's, uh, it's really, um, it, it's kind of unbelievable to see how many different uh, different pieces, whether you talk about the restaurant industry and uh, or the 
you know, all the service industry folks. You know, these, these things, when we have this kind of uh, change in society this quickly, um, the ripple effects of this are, you know, are just staggering. And so I think, uh, you know, for us to, to look at the, you know, the, the effects on corn and look at the supply chain there and, and the, the industries that we touch, uh, this task force is going to help us do that. Um, but, uh, you know, we need input from growers, too. We'd, we'd love to see people, uh, if there's issues out there that we're not aware of or that you see that, that maybe you think we don't know about, um, we need to understand those and need to be able to, to uh, talk to folks across the, uh, you know, uh, uh, NDC about them. So we set up a coronavirus in, input uh, at ncga.com, and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully if there's a, a major issue that we can influence out there that uh, folks make us aware of it. I was going to ask you, are you hearing from uh, your producers, your members around the country? Because, yeah, like you say, I'm sure that in different spots there are different uh, issues specific to that particular region. Yeah, so we've we've had a, a lot of different calls. Um, so first of all, our board, we have different liaisons uh, to each state, and so uh, encouraging them to make those calls as well as um, our state executives get on a call every week, too, and and uh, we also have our policy calls that uh, come in from the states too. So we're hearing things that way, but we also, um, yeah, I'm I'm hearing a lot of different, or talking to a lot of different folks throughout the, uh, you know, throughout every week here as this thing goes by, as well as all our board and and other folks too. And this, uh, you know, us being able to collect this information and and understand it, uh, you know, is something that we need to do. And uh, that's you know that's why we set this up. But um, it's amazing the, like I said, the level of impact out there. And, and if you go to different states, I think that's one of the biggest uh, concerns. If you look at a state like New York versus a state like mine in Iowa, um, unbelievably different uh, set of circumstances in just those two states. And uh, and we've got growers in both places. And we've got growers, you know, in a lot of different regions of the U.S. And, and everybody's being impacted differently at this point. So uh, we're trying to understand it, trying to learn about it, and, and uh, trying to make sure we can make decisions on, on behalf of the corn industry. Well, I know your members are looking forward to the the type of social distancing they're looking forward to is getting in that tractor and uh, cab and uh, being there pulling a planter and uh, getting this corn crop planted, right? Oh, that's for sure. I think, uh, you know, on the bright side uh, of things for us is that this is a time of year where uh, a lot of guys don't have to practice too hard to social distance. It's uh, once these tractors get rolling and, and uh, in some places they already are, uh, a lot of folks uh, – you know, sometimes the mood mood can changes when a guy gets in that uh, in that machine and gets rolling and and uh, starts starts turning a little dirt, putting some seeds in the ground. So hopefully, uh, uh, you know, hopefully that keeps the the ag mentality strong and and hopefully these markets can can follow suit for us. Yeah, anything that feels like uh, a return to normalcy, like that would be for farmers planting. Uh, we all welcome uh, some normalcy back in our lives for sure. Kevin, thanks for the update. Uh, good to talk with you. Be safe. Take care. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, Mike. Appreciate, appreciate you having me on. Uh, Kevin Ross, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Well, we mentioned the tough times for the ethanol industry. Um, some plants idling some workers, some shutting down. That has quite an impact, a ripple effect throughout the, the economy, certainly. And... Uh, is this maybe, when you look at the history of the ethanol industry, there's been a lot of ups and downs. There have been some tough times. Is this one of the toughest times we've seen facing the ethanol industry? We'll talk about that with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, and hopefully some good news coming from the administration on their decision on that Tenth Circuit Court ruling. We'll talk about that next. Stay with us on AOA.
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, as we all deal with the new normals, the new realities of life, with the changes from the uh, coronavirus, we are asking you to email me what you're seeing and hearing in your area. First of all, I want to know, what has impacted you the most? Uh, the changes, the things you can't do anymore, or the things you have to do differently. What's had the biggest impact? Or what have you? What has you know stood out to you the most that you miss, or is different to you? And also, any stories you can share with us about the th- things that you're seeing uh, being done in your area, in your communities, um, people helping people, something maybe you're involved in, or something that you are aware of going on in your area. Want to hear from you? Email me, Mike Adams, at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Mike Adams at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Looking forward to hearing from you on how this is impacting you and your life and uh, how people are reacting uh, to these uh, changes in our in our daily lives. Well, unfortunately, one of the things that is not changing, it seems like, and that is the uh, political divisiveness in our country as we see Another stalemate in the U.S. Senate as they try to come to some kind of agreement on another stimulus package, another aid bill from this coronavirus situation. Uh, we have we've seen it's been disturbing in the last few days, kind of seeing the political rhetoric starting to ramp up again. And I'd kind of thought that early on maybe we would this crisis would bring both sides together and we'd see more unity and working together and I I saw some signs of that early on but now we're hearing more and more of the uh, the uh, the political partisanship and the uh, we're seeing the finger pointing and blaming and some grandstanding going on you see this on both sides of the political aisle and there's just no place for it there's no room for it and we just can't afford that right now they've got to put those differences aside and work together as we all need to do to get through this crisis. So hopefully uh, we will see uh, some action in the Senate today and put aside these uh, political issues and work for the good of the country and for the people of this country. They all say that's what they're trying to do, but uh, so often it's a, they have a strange way of showing it. So hopefully we can uh, see some action there and get some things worked out. I want to urge all of you again to be safe, be careful. It, um, well, it is challenging to see every aspect of our lives impacted the way they are right now. Uh, but take the precautions. Be careful for yourself and for those that you will come in contact with. I think we have to remember not only are we at risk, and I think our first thoughts usually are we're at risk of receiving the virus, getting the virus, but we also have to remember that we are also at risk of spreading the virus too. So we don't want to we don't want to do that so uh, take all the proper precautions and please be careful as uh, we try to navigate through these very challenging and difficult times we are trying to get in touch with jeff cooper with the renewable fuels association we have uh, not been able to do that yet so we'll keep working on that but we wanted to talk about it sounds like there are reports that perhaps the administration has decided not to appeal 
that Tenth Circuit Court ruling on small refinery exemptions. This would be welcome news for the uh, biofuels industry. We're hoping that's the case, that they're not going to appeal it, but uh, we have not received official confirmation on that yet. Still waiting on that, so uh, we'll be talking about that in the days to come. mentioned earlier that USDA um, is facing the same challenges as everyone else, and that is uh, trying to keep services going uh, through these times of social distancing. Uh, there's been some USDA, USDA offices having to, to close and um, others though are able to uh, work you know in different ways through uh, telecommuting and things like that. I've been talking with uh, texting today with USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey and he says that uh, offices are open by phone appointments and uh, they're trying to do different things, and you can go to Farmers.gov for more updates on that. All right, I believe Jeff Cooper's with us now, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, thanks a lot. Any word on the administration's decision on an appeal of the Tenth Circuit Court ruling? Well, Mike, we're still anxiously awaiting uh, some word from the administration on whether they will appeal or not. Uh, the deadline is midnight tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Um, you know, I, I think at this juncture we would be shocked if uh, the administration moved forward with a request to rehear the case. Um, there are obviously much bigger fish to, to be frying today, um, and it would have been a bad uh, a bad move in the first place uh, b- before all the coronavirus stuff broke. So um, we're hopeful that the administration has come to its senses and understands that you know, asking for a rehearing is just uh, not advisable right now. Uh, but we'll know for sure tomorrow night at midnight. How tough is the situation right now? How bleak is it for ethanol plants? Uh, the the industry is in dire straits, uh, Mike. I mean, there's there's no bones about it. Um, we've got facilities that are uh, you know dialing way back on on output. We've got some facilities that are idling completely. Um, you know, the margins are, are deep in the red, uh, 25 or 30 cent per gallon loss. Uh, those were the sorts of numbers we were seeing late last week. Uh, it's, it's ugly out there. I mean, we've got, you know, gasoline demand we think is, is off about 20 to 25% nationally. Uh, but in certain parts of the country, it's down, you know, 50%, uh, or, or so. So you look at the West coast and, and, and Northeast, those are two places where, you know, we typically have a lot of demand and, and we're seeing, you know, 40 to 50 percent uh, decreases in, in consumption in those areas right now. And that's obviously hitting our industry very hard. Real quick, though, the ethanol plants are helping uh, make hand sanitizer. Yeah, they are. And, and we've seen a number of our facilities uh, switch some of their production over to that grade of alcohol that is suitable for hand sanitizer just in the last week or so. Um So, you know, despite the tough times, our industry continues to step up to help. All right, Jeff, we'll stay in touch, especially when we hear the administration's decision on the appeal. Thank you very much. You bet. Thank you, Mike. Stay safe. Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association.